you open your Bibles to 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. Amen. It's close to the end of the Bible. As a matter of fact, it's the uh, third book from the end. You have Revelations in reverse, Revelation, Jude, and 3 John. As a matter of fact, let's just go ahead and read. We'll read this paragraph. Uh, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. Verse 2, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Today we march into a new arena of importance for everybody that walks the earth, uh, uh, not just Christians. As a matter of fact, uh, I believe that every message I preach is for everybody that's on the earth. Amen? Uh, But this is uh, just as important uh, to everyone. Uh, At the apex of our journey, our walk in faith, uh, we know that we place an extremely high stake in knowing Jesus Christ. Amen? Uh, I mean, we talk about Jesus all the time. Uh, We want people to know Jesus, and we are passionate about this. This, again, is at the core of what we do. Why? Because this is what Jesus had in mind, again, in Matthew 28, verse 19, when he says what? Go, therefore, and do what? Make disciples of all nations. This is what Jesus had in mind. Uh, Making disciples in the name of Jesus Christ, on the cause of Jesus Christ, that they may become disciples of Jesus Christ. So knowing Jesus Christ is paramount over all things. However, in addition, in our quest for freedom in the Lord, we battle forces that attempt to downplay the role of our faith in Christ through accusations that are made against Jesus and accusations that are frankly made against us as well. And these accusations, they try to dissuade us from following the Lord even as we so deeply desire to obey him. And what do we want? We want freedom. We want freedom. Well, I don't know. Maybe you don't. But I want freedom in the Lord. Freedom from all sorts of issues that plague us. From impure thoughts. Our actions. Manipulations. Both ways how we manipulate others and how others try to manipulate us. And then plain old ignorance in areas that we ignore, such as our need to be in church and our need for prayer and personal 
Bible study. But then as we diligently read the Scripture, once we finally make it there, we study and we see clearly that there are certain biblical themes that emerge that draw us into their orbit, and rightfully so, right? What are you talking about? It's like knowing today in membership class, we, we talked about uh, uh, God. Who is God? You know, when you know Jesus, one of the questions you have to ask yourself, the question you have to ask yourself is, who is God then? Right? We have to know about God. We, we must know about the work of the Holy Spirit. We must know about Jesus. And we must know about the place of the church on earth. But then, right, here it is. But then we are blindsided when issues of health become a concern. Why? Because every time we pick up the Bible, we casually read past all those issues that deal with our physical bodies. And somehow we thought or acted in a way which assumed that if we draw closer to Jesus, then Jesus will automatically take care of our bodies. We thought that if we come to church and if we worship the Lord and we don't sin, right, uh, that Jesus is going to take care of us. Not realizing that the issue with our bodies is also a spiritual issue. Do you realize that? That the issue with your body, whether you have one or not, that it is a spiritual issue. In other words, what are you talking about? Well, Lord, if I pray long enough, if I spend enough time in church, that you're going to take this malady away from me, even though I've been eating cheeseburgers and french fries every single day. Or, you know how it goes in prayer. I've done the same thing, right? And you look at that burger or those fries, right, dripping with grease and that luscious-looking yellow cheese with all the artificial uh, coloring and flavors. We know that it's so good, steaming hot, and we're about to you know, pick it up and, and, and bite into it, and we know that it's going to be good. But somebody said, you better pray first. And as we look at that burger, steamy and delicious, to all beef patties on a sesame seed bun, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickle onions, right? We look at this thing and say, okay, let me pray first, Lord. Thank you for the food that I'm about to receive. May it go towards the nourishment of my body. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Artificial ingredients and all, Lord, let it bless my body. Oh, and by the way, uh, can you supersize me? So in other words, we want God to take care of us. Even though we constantly overeat, drink nothing but soda pop, consume burgers, chips, and candy at an excess on a regular basis. The percentage of adults, according to what I was reading on the CDC, uh, 20 years old and above 
uh, that have diabetes that they say is about 12.6%. This is from 2011 to 2014. And I've heard things that it's higher now. But also it says that the percentage of people who have high blood pressure in which their blood pressure is not controlled, in other words, at any given time they can stroke out, is 51%. 51% of the people who have high blood pressure for which it is uncontrolled. 51% percentage of people who are obese in the United States. Total population, 37%. Now this is according to the CDC. Uh, Pastor Spencer did not make this up. Now, I, I selected those particular issues, but I could have easily selected a whole host of other things that are going on. In many cases, most of these conditions, conditions could be avoided. You know what I'm talking about? They could be avoided. Does God want us to be concerned about our spiritual condition, but yet ignore our physical health? Do you think that's the case? That God wants you to ignore your health? You know, again, our health is a spiritual issue. When Jesus prayed what is known as the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, he prayed that his disciples would not be taken out of the world. But if Jesus prayed that his disciples not be taken out of the world, does he want a Big Mac to take us out of the world? Does Jesus want an extra large order of french fries day after day after day to take us out of the world? And the answer is no. Why? Because we have work to do. And if you are eliminated off this planet, then you are eliminating God's reach to yours, the people which you have a sphere of influence over. So you are cutting God's work short, all because of your and my lifestyle. And if that's so, then how can you be a good witness of God's saving grace? So here in First and Third John, the Apostle Paul wanted things to go well with the saints. Not only in the spiritual matters, he says he wants it to go well not only with their soul, but also with what? With their what? Let's try it again. With their what? With their health. So he stressed his desire that their health, not only their soul, but their health go well. Question is, do you even care about your own body? Now, oh, sure, somebody else tried to come hurt you. All of a sudden, you wanted to put them in jail. But you never thought that that extra large Polish with, with, with grilled onions or Chicago style from one of the restaurants, you never thought that maybe you were pointing a gun in your own head. But isn't it good? You let somebody else point a gun in your head, but you do it uh, with, with that hamburger. Oh, it's okay, right? Have you been as good to your body as you have been to your job? Have you been as good to your body 
as you have to your car. Oh yeah, I'll make sure that I take my ride in to make sure that it's washed. I'll make sure that it's waxed. And when that light comes on, oh, I'm going to go get my oil change. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to make sure it's right. But my own body, I don't care. What about some of you? you? You may not have a job. You may not have a car. But most of you have a cell phone, a smartphone. You take care of that thing, right? If that thing try to fall on the floor, you, you might go diving. You don't want anything to happen. Oh, man, uh, for, for most normal people, I'll say this. When your, when your battery gets about 50%, you say, let me charge it. I say most normal people because I know some people, they let it get down to 20 and 10% where they finally say, oh, let me charge it now, right? Right? Uh, but uh, most normal people, they say, oh, I see my battery getting low. I better go ahead and charge it now. Better take care of this thing. So do you take care more of those things than you take care of your own body? As God's kingdom child, he wants us to properly steward our body, our physical bodies, that he has given to you and me. So today's message will help us understand this and to quickly move to this action. So there, here there are four biblical concepts I want you to remember to help us get on track with God's plan as his children. Here they are. You write them down now. And I'm going to explain them as we go along. Relate, run, rest, and restore. Relate, run, rest, and restore. Very easy. Very easy outline for you to remember for this message today. So let's unpack them. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but what? He says here, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. <clears throat> and God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Or do you not know that he who joined is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her. Do you realize that? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. So Paul says here in verse 12, he says this, right? I'm going to put it in a general sense. He says, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right? Uh, he begins with this overarching theme, your body is uh, the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, let's put it into perspective there. So your body, this is how we relate to God, right? Your body, our body, uh, all of our bodies, if you are in Christ, that it is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
Now Paul says, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. When Paul says that all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful, right? Just because you can eat a five-gallon pail of pickles doesn't mean that you should, amen? Just because you can dump an eighth of a cup of salt in your salted soup doesn't mean that you should. You see, the context, though, of the passage that we're looking at, it is sexual immorality. It's very clear. You know, remember now that these Corinthians, that they were doing all types of immoral things, which may have been okay in the eyes of some people, but in the eyes of the Lord, they weren't. In fact, Paul he goes on to say that there was so much immorality in the church. You hear what I'm talking about. Remember that Paul is writing this letter to church folks. He's saying that, now, yeah, people say, you know, your church used to be so pure. But look at the Corinthians. This wasn't pure. Paul said that, you know, you, some, he says some, not all, uh, some of you church folks are so turned upside down uh, that, uh, that the people in the world look at you and say, man, isn't that bad? Isn't that something? That the people of the world look at the people in the church and they say, that's bad. That's what Paul is saying. Saved folks were living worse than unsaved folks. Never should be. Then again, you've heard stories like this before, haven't you? Uh, some of you, you've heard stories time and time again. How in the world uh, could these believers have been redeemed, but now live such twisted lives? One answer could be that they did not know how to live for Christ. And this is why, you know, Paul brought the corrective in the first place. They didn't understand what it meant to live for Christ because they had been living as pagans, maybe. So in relationship to being able to do whatever we want, Scripture says our bodies are not meant for, uh, our bodies are not meant for sexual immorality. He explains this with a saying like, food is meant for the stomach and stomach is meant for the food. Think of that for a second. Think about that. I, I, I'm not quite ready to move in this direction, but I believe that God is, he's just dumped this in my heart. He says, right, food is meant for the stomach, and stomach is meant for the food. Eventually, Paul says, they both will be destroyed, right, until we are glorified, and then God is going to rebuild us, right? Like the six, maybe a six billion dollar man now. Uh, then, in the 70s, it was a six million dollar, maybe today, it would be the six billion dollar man. But think about that for a second. Food is meant for the stomach. The stomach is meant for the food. So therefore, if you eat stuff that can jack you up, that can poison you, is that food meant for your stomach? Huh? Is it meant for your stomach? I mean, really? Well, all right, well, okay, I, I hear what you're talking about. You said, well, Pastor Spencer, I've seen you eat before. I, look, I, I've seen you just chow down on all kind of stuff, and you know I, I, I like to eat. I like to eat different types of food. You, you know this about me. 
right? So before you think that, you know, who is he to talk? Yeah, I know. It's talking about me. But, hey, that's why I'm getting myself together today. Amen? Amen? And I invite you to get yourself together as well. So we should not poison ourselves. Food is meant to nourish and replenish and not to destroy Sexual immorality, immorality, it destroys that which is supposed to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies are meant for the Lord. Our bodies relate to the Lord as they will one day be raised up by his very power in verse 14. So, your bodies are members of Christ, and if they are members of Christ, then why should you defile them with any type of immorality? In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 14, and God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then make the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never, right? Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two shall become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. A marriage which is lived out properly before the Lord brings his blessings and connects us with him. But an illegitimate relationship outside of what God has sanctioned does not carry the blessings of God. I don't care what you call it, amen? I don't care. You can say that there are sister wives in your household, right? You can, you, you can say that. But at the end of the day, God does not bless that, does he? No, he doesn't, all right. So regardless of what shape your body in, it is not properly connected and yoked, number one, if you are not in Christ, and number two, if you're not thinking about it in terms of its spiritual nature as well. So again, uh, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians six nineteen, Or do you not know <laughs> your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Look, you're taking care of, of God's property. Did you know that? You realize that? That you are taking care of God's property. Your body is God's property. How are you dealing with it? Are you letting it go to shambles? Are you letting, it, you're letting the, the shutters fall off? Letting the insects get in and not exterminating? Right? Letting all kind of people all up in your house who don't care about your house because you don't care about your own house. Putting stuff in your house that don't look good. Right? What are you talking about? Look, you... Well, anyway, I don't want to get into that. We, I, I have an agenda here in, in, in the Word of God, but I'm saying, again, that we need to take care of our bodies. How will you treat your body if what the scripture says is true, right? So if your body, if our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, how will we indeed take care of our bodies then? How are you going to do it? If you think of the church in spiritual matters, frankly, 
Very rarely do we think about our bodies except uh, when someone's abusing drugs or alcohol, and maybe even uh, maybe in a sense of, of overeating as well, or doing crazy things, right? We think in terms of that, but we don't think about it in terms of how we live our life from day to day. So does this idea of our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit also apply to what we eat and how much we eat? And the answer is yes, absolutely. The whole issue has to do with how we relate to the Lord and the example we also place before other people. Based on your lifestyle, will people think that Christians only just go to church and eat? I know someone uh, that I've known for a long time that they would call uh, uh, certain people in the church, uh, they, uh, they would ask them, are you part of the Eat Eat Club? Part of the Eat Eat Club. And the Eat Eat Club is, you know, Christians who only go out and do what? Right? Meet and eat, right? Right? Instead of meet and greet, right? Meet and eat, right? Well, let's get together. Okay, let's go out. Let's, uh, can we meet at Penn there? Uh, that's me, right? We're going to have a meeting. Let's go somewhere we can eat. But, you know, Scripture also tells us, Acts chapter 2, uh, that, that the believers, they also fellowshiped around the mill. So it does have an importance, but uh, we have to be careful. We have to be careful. We don't always have to eat when we meet, amen? Our bodies are related to God through his spirit. Number two, run. Number two, run. Sin can wreck your body. Right? You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Sin can wreck your body. What are you talking about? Come on, you know this, right? We've been reading it uh, quite a few Sundays now. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 29. Sin can wreck your body. So number one, we know that our bodies are related to God through the Holy Spirit. Number two, we know that sin can wreck our bodies. Here it is, verse 29, 1 Corinthians 11. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. And you know this passage, right? This is within the context of commun communion, right? Communion. We had communion today. Realizing that there are some people that are weak, that are ill, and some people have died because they didn't take the things of God seriously. So is it possible that it, uh, what is going on with you today physically is due to sin? You realize that? Is what's happening to you today because of sin? The answer could be yes. We have already saw how our bodies are supposed to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. If we therefore bring something into God's temple which defiles it, then would he be pleased? Not only the junk, but also the attitude. In this case, believers were playing games 
with, with the Lord's Supper. And they were coming at the, uh, at the Lord's table as if it was Super Bowl Sunday. As if they just wanted to get as many crackers as possible. They wanted to dip and, and, and get their drink and think nothing of the Lord and nothing about themselves. We should never take anything of the Lord lightly. I guess, I guess because sometimes when we come to church, uh, we don't uh, tangibly or visibly see God. We only see people. Therefore, we don't check our hearts first. We just see people. So uh, we're not concerned about checking our hearts. But is all illness because of sin? Right? Just because somebody, uh, somebody got a cold. Oh, no, I know you, uh, you, you've been sinning. You got a cold. Or you got pneumonia. Oh, I know you've been lying before the Lord. All right? Or you're, uh, uh, you know, all of a sudden something, something is wrong with your arm. Oh, no, you're not right before the Lord, brother or sister. Right? All illness is not because of sin. Right? But see, this is, this is uh, in, in one sense, it's, it's very true because God had promised the children of Israel uh, all the way back in the beginning from, you know, from Exodus forward that if they walked in his ways, that they would basically be in good health. So it, it makes sense. But look at John chapter 9, verse 2. John chapter 9, verse 2. Remember, uh, there was this young man who was born blind. And Jesus' disciple thought the reason that he was born blind was because of sin. Let's read it. John 9, verse 2. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Right? So who sinned? Who sinned? Was it this man or was it his parents? They believe, like many people, there's always a direct connection between sin and illness. While this may be true in some instances, it is not always true. Uh, just read what Jesus' response was in verse 3. See it for yourself. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. For, for, for some people, the reason uh, that you may have an illness is, is for God to be glorified. But you say, well, I don't want God to be glorified through me that way. Just let me be whole now. But see, even if God allowed you to get whole, then you would glorify his name. Do you realize that? That if you have an illness and if God heals you either directly through his power or through, uh, or through the wisdom and knowledge of doctors, do you know that is the time for you to glorify God? So if you get well and you have been, and you have been ill, you're supposed to testify. You're supposed to tell people about what Jesus has done for you. So Jesus says, therefore, nobody, nobody sinned. Don't automatically place a guilt trip on someone just because things are going badly for them. Amen? So therefore, uh, if you are in sin, uh, you need to run from it. Right? You need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Uh, check yourself before it catches up to you. 
run away and not towards sin. Next, we need to rest. We need to rest. Our bodies were meant to rest and not to be run over. Our bodies were meant to rest and not be run over. We read earlier, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. So nobody in your house is supposed to be doing any work on the Sabbath. But when most of us, when we think of the Sabbath, we oftentimes think of the church. There's really not a direct connection there initially from the Sabbath and the church per se, uh, but we call Sunday our Sabbath, right? Uh, in, in all of creation, it was that last day in which God, in which he ceased to work. But that's okay. It's good for us because we have a connection between we do have a connection between worshiping God and, 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 and stopping uh, all the work that we normally do. So the Sabbath is very embedded in the Old Testament thinking. And on the Sabbath, we are not supposed to do any customary work. In other words, you're not supposed to work your job seven days a week. You hear what I'm saying? And I, now, I know sometimes they give you OT, right? I know uh, that sometimes that uh, you need to pay your bills, right? Now, I know some of you, some of us like to work in order to get those things because they are in our best interests. But God has your best interests at hand as well. It is true that we are to have a day in which we dedicate to the Lord and know that this Sabbath was for us. It was a time when all of our work ceased, just as God ceased from creating creation. God didn't stop living on the seventh day. He only stopped doing what he was doing. That's what it means that God, he stopped. We had the Sabbath. For us, this translates into resting. And for us also, resting does not mean doing nothing. We rest by not doing the job we've done the other six days or however many days a week that you have established to work. Customary work is the work you do daily, to pay your bills or to pay for your excursions on an island somewhere in the world, wherever you want to go. Some have taken this to the extreme to insist that uh, uh, on the Sabbath, on your day of rest, that uh, you can't even cook food. Do you realize that? There are some Jews who say that they can't even cook breakfast or dinner on the Sabbath. There are some Jews who take this uh, to such an extreme that uh, to get on an elevator poses a problem. 
What do you mean? How does getting on an elevator pose a problem if you are on Sabbath? Because getting on the elevator is okay. But if they get on the elevator and they had to push the button, that would be work. So therefore, they couldn't ride the elevator. So what some do is, they, uh, instead of pushing the button, they will wait around until they can get on the elevator with someone else. But they still have to tell them, can you press the fifth floor for me, please? Or some would simply walk five flights of stairs so they would not have to push the button. And some, and this, this is all true, by the way. This is true. This is true in this year, right? For some Jews, they even refuse to turn the light switch on the wall because by flicking the switch, it is work, you see? So on the Sabbath, God didn't intend for us to do nothing yeah, there's certain that we got to, I hope, hopefully, uh, they understand that on the Sabbath that God does want them to wash up, too. Right? So I think in those cases, they are interpreting Scripture to an extreme, in, in an extreme way. And they don't, they don't frame Scripture in terms of its biblical context. But on the Sabbath, on your day of rest, it means spending time with the Lord, spending time with Him in prayer, listening and in God's Word. But also, if we don't get enough rest, that it can damage us physically. Now, I don't need to cite medical issues again. But it is worth noting that if you don't get enough rest, that you're putting your life in danger. And most of us are not willing to place our life in danger because we're not getting enough rest. Amen? And having a Sabbath also means we need to try and remove ourselves from issues that causes stress. One of the ways I recently discovered, I didn't know this, right? I recently discovered how you can identify stress in a person's life. Right, here it is. Here's a big secret. One of the ways that you possibly can, it may not be true for everybody, but they've really painted this with a broad stroke. But one of the ways they say you can tell how stressed out a person is, is how big or small their waistline is. Mine is pretty thin right now because you can't see it. So your waistline, now you guys are going to be looking at me, so I go ahead, let me get it out the way. Right, here I am, right? <laughs> this is all air, by the way. There's, there's no meat, you know, all air, right? So by looking at a person's waistline, you can generally tell how stressed they are. Did you know that? That's fascinating to me. Something needs to change, right? You say, how is that? Because some people, when they're stressed, they like to do what? They like to eat. But food is good, isn't it? I like food, especially good food. A large waistline may indicate you have too much stress. 
This is not in Scripture, but medicine has found it out to be true. Scripture does tell us, though, to be anxious for nothing. Don't be stressed out by all that stuff. But part of it is connected with how you are interpreting and dealing with all the things that are going on in your life. So as your waistline expands horizontally, you need to be, begin to pray more aggressively to heaven. Restore. Here's the last one. Restore. Do things to get and keep your body well, folks. And again, I'm talking to myself. Do things to get and keep your body well. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23. Here Paul speaks to Timothy. And he says this. He says, little Timothy, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. Right? Now, remember here now, he doesn't say, no longer drink only water, but go ahead and be a lush with wine. He didn't say that. He said, use uh, how much wine? A lot of wine? A little wine. Right? What he's referring to is doing something other than praying when you have physical issues. Huh? But neither would, however, Paul suggests we not pray. We should pray plus do those things that help our body. Well, some people have suggested that if we are truly people of faith, we should never take any kind of medicine. Some people believe that if you are truly a person of faith, you don't need a vitamin. God is your vitamin. God is my vitamin. God is, right? I heard you over there now. Some people think that Jesus Christ is the only supplement that I need in life. All I have is Jesus. I don't need nothing else. Yeah, well, okay. So because of that, uh, they uh, oftentimes reject the advice and the prescriptions of the doctor. If the doctor gives you medicine, think of it as Paul telling you to take a little wine for your stomach. But yet, they refuse to use the doctor's counsel uh, in order to get whole again. They want to be whole, but they don't want to take a pill. They want to be whole, but they don't want to stop eating, right? And because of this, some people are no longer on this earth today. I know people personally, right? I'm telling you, I know a preacher, right? I know a preacher who is a man of faith. He believed God, right? And this man of God, he had diabetes. This man, but he was still eating, you know, whole watermelons by himself. He was eating pans of fried pork chops by himself. I mean, by, you hear what I'm saying? I'm saying... Right? So he would go out and buy two watermelons, one for him and one for the rest of his family. Right? Doctors told him, look, you got diabetes. You're gonna, and he said, no, well, I'm just going to believe in faith. 
that I'm going to be all right. Well, he died. He died. Because he didn't understand what Paul was saying here to Timothy to take a little wine for, for yourself, for your stomach. Look, if you have the issue, take a little pill for yourself. Take the pill, get in shape, get off the pill. Amen? But if the doctor has enough knowledge to tell you in the first place to, to, to take... The, now, I'm not talking about the pill, right? Let's get that out the way. Right? I'm not, that's not the area that I'm functioning in right now. But I'm talking about if the doctor tells you to take a pill, take the pill, take care of yourself, get off the medication, amen? Your doctors will run the test and they will tell you, you know, you're looking good and your numbers are coming down. Let's see what it looks like to see you off of this medication. Don't be foolish. Do you want to die? So by not taking the medication that the doctors have so wisely prescribed you, Again, it is like pointing a gun to your own head. What are you trying to do to yourself? What are you trying to do? So, think of it this way, though, right? If those same people who may also think that a believer should not drink alcohol at all, right? There's some who believe that this is not biblical, right? You have no standing in Scripture, Look at how Paul tells Timothy to drink a little wine. Right? At least look at that. In other words, that we must do both in order to live a fuller, mount, uh, a fuller life. It's obvious from this context that, that wine is used as sort of a medicine, right? You see this very clearly. Uh, Timothy suffered from issues which seemed to prevent him from functioning in normal capacity. Paul said Timothy must do something about it. In our case, I believe Paul would say the same thing, but in a different way. Paul may say there are times when you must take an aspirin, a vitamin, a protein, or simply eat better for the sake of your stomach, the sake of your heart, the sake of your brain, the sake of your blood, the sake of your feet, the sake of your legs, the sake of your arms. Paul says that sometimes there are things that you must do to take care of your body other than pray. Paul would also say, see a doctor. If you can't get it under control, see a doctor. Huh. But again, he would also insist that we would pray and pray without ceasing. Therefore, take care of your body. We know that there are many people who are overweight. They eat poorly, don't exercise, don't get enough rest. Folks smoke and other stuff. They must, these issues, they got to be addressed, folks, within the body of Christ. You know, we are kingdom people. How can we go out to battle and we are not fit for the battle? How can we tell people about Jesus Christ when we start telling people about Jesus Christ, we out of breath? If you think your testimony is not compromised when you're not taking care of your body, think again. The world sees this, and I always think of it this way, right? Overall, of all the leaders of our nation over the years, right, how many of them have been fat? How many leaders of uh, Fortune 500 corporations are fat? 
How many leaders of Facebook and Google and this and Microsoft, how many of them are fat? Right? Now, I, no, I, I'm not, okay, I'm not picking on fat people, right? All I'm saying is that, that there is a perception, right? And people think that if you're going to be a leader of something, if you're going to lead me, you need to have your whole body together. And even though those individuals may have their bodies together, some of them don't have their spirits together. So you have that on your side. And that's the one thing that we can celebrate together. So we must change our attitude about our health. Somehow in the church, we have been bamboozled into thinking our physical health doesn't matter. We think that the only thing that matters is our spiritual health. Do you know Jesus? Yes, I know Jesus. Then you're good. Well, no. Do you know Jesus? Yes, I know Jesus. That's good. But what about your health? What about your marriage? What about your this and your that? All these things come under the preview of the kingdom of God. You are God's kingdom child. So if you look at your overall health, you may discover that you really did have some kind of spiritual issue. Even if it is what seems to be a minute issue of self-control. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a power of love, sound mind, right? Discipline. You may have a discipline issue, and the discipline issue is a spiritual issue. But what will people think of you when you begin to make changes? Whatever. Who cares what they think? But they will believe that you are human. They believe that you care for yourself and your faith matters all the way down to your body. They will look at you and say, I want to know him whom you know. Trust me, Jesus will be more attractive to them if you are more attractive to them. For many of us, some of our health issues and concern can be turned around if we are good stewards of our bodies. Right? For all of us, that's not the case, though, right? Some of us have, have other health things that's going on that is harder to control. I get that. I understand that. I'm not denying that. But we're talking about those of us that can control ourselves, that we can control the direction. Yes, here it is one more time. I want you to remember these four biblical concepts. Here they are again. Relate, run, rest, and restore. Question is, do you have enough faith for your body? Let's pray, please. Father, we want to thank you again. We want to thank you for your, your love and your desire to speak to our health. Father, we want to thank you.